Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. God, I thank you that even the days when things feel off, that you're steady. Uh, Lord, those days are not because you're not present. Lord, that song is so true that you're near. It's just, man, we're just uh, we're a mess sometimes. And we're stressed and anxious and frustrated and all those things. And Lord, you have so much patience for us. And I pray that you would move in just mighty ways today in the lives of those people who are here, all of us. God, there's no accident. Um, there's no coincidence. Everyone's here for a purpose today. And I pray everyone, Lord, from the person that's angry to the person that's sad to the person that's disinterested, um, Lord, I just bitter, hurt. God, I just pray that you would uh, move, move in their lives and move in ways that they need you to, and it would be so evident. And Father, I need you today uh, so, so much. I need you to help me preach your word well, um, and that I wouldn't get in the way of it, and I will give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> That's pretty good, I guess. So welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. If it's your first time you haven't been here in a while, we're in the midst, that means middle, of a series that, uh, is this sounding okay or is it weird? It's good. I'm not used to it sounding good. It's bizarre. Uh, good job, guys. Anyway, we're, we have this week and next week. So if you want to hear the end of this series, you'll need to come next week. Because we've been talking about tribes and how in Christianity, sometimes we focus so much on our individual tribes and the things we're trying to make um, our identity that we end up doing exactly what Paul warned us about in Galatians when he said, hey, be careful, right, as you devour each other, bite at each other, lest you consume each other, eat each other, destroy each other. And that's what happens. And uh, this week and then next week, we're going to talk about there is a line There is a place in which we can say this person is not a part of our tribe, and we need to be aware of those places, right? There are things that matter. The issue is a lot of times we make the things that don't matter matter, right, and the things that do matter not matter, and um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do, and then we'll move on after that. So today I want to talk, and guys, I'm just going to kind of talk with you because it's not going to be, I don't know, um... Being a Christian in America can be really confusing at times, and if you're a non-Christian in the room, you probably are confused about what it even means to be a Christian, because it's so confusing. And it can make me doubt. Maybe you don't, right? I'm going to be honest with you, and this is terrible. I may make you doubt, right, the way that I am, the way that I live. You make me doubt. You make me doubt, Right? The church makes me doubt a lot of times. My biggest doubts don't come from the persecution that I face in the world. They don't. In fact, I've said this before at the beginning of this, and I mean it. 95%, maybe more, and I mean that. I'm not just being you know, uh, dramatic. Of, of any sort of persecution or attacks that we've ever gotten, I've ever gotten, have come from Christians. <clears throat> and I've talked to a lot of you and a lot of believers that I've spoken with, that's pretty consistent across the board. So there's one of two issues. One, there's a lot of people saying they're Christians and aren't Christians, really, or, and, and, or, um, we've got a lot of it wrong, and I think both are true. <clears throat> there are so, there's so much confusion, right? The, the arguing, the fighting, the disagreement, the confusion of Christianity. You know, you walk down the street, and you're going to see particularly if you aren't a part of this little 
subculture Christianity. If you don't understand it, some of you are like, yeah, I don't, I don't get this church life, right? Here, if you're the one of the people that's like, well, it's, I'm not religious, you'll, you'll get this. You walk down and you see 15 churches on the same street with different names, some right beside each other. There are churches in this town, okay? I'm not judging it. I just think it looks bizarre, right, if, you, if you're not a part of this. Literally, in, I can think of it right beside each other. Isn't that odd? And they have different names. And they say, right, and we take this for granted, granted Christians, we say we're all on the same team, but you're kind of like, well, that's bizarre. I don't see a lot of teams, right? Like on a football team, the team doesn't meet at halftime, split the team, and meet in different locker rooms. That doesn't happen, right? Can you imagine if any sports team, for me, it's football, gets split at locker room, and they give them each different game plan for the next half? It would be disastrous. Kind of funny, too, but it would be disastrous. So... There's just, there's so many voices, voices on voices on voices. This is the only way. This person's a false prophet. This person's doing it wrong. If we don't stop this person or that church, the kingdom of God might be destroyed. We might be sending people to hell because they don't have it right. Pressure, pressure, pressure everywhere. Noise, noise, and noise. All the voices start to come together, and it can just become this cacophony, you can go ahead, of, of noise, right? It's a fancy word. That means really bad sound, right? It just becomes static. That's what the church becomes. It's just static. It's annoying, isn't it? Static. But you know what's funny about static? It's really annoying, but it also can lull you to sleep. It can. It can, right? White noise. So that's what the church has kind of becomes, particularly in America. We're just noise. So the world gets annoyed with the noise, and they just turn it off or change the channel because they're tired of hearing the noise. And you guys and me, <clears throat> we just get used to it, and we let it become white noise that puts us to sleep. In Acts, they say this, when they heard this, it's the beginning of the church, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, keep playing it, keep playing it. <clears throat> they were pierced to the heart. Go back to the beginning and play the static sound. Thanks. <clears throat> when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, unless you can't. Maybe that's, yeah, you can't do that. See, I think you, the technology's magic. And they're like, Todd, this doesn't exist. You cannot have multiple things. My bad, guys. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? They had heard the gospel. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Keep going. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. That means people liked them. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Peter tells them this message that's pretty simple. It's really simple. Repent and be baptized. If you're in the room, you're like, what does that mean? That means stop living life the way you want to live and live life the way God tells you to live. Turn towards him. It doesn't say be perfect even, does it? It says turn away from the way you've been living and turn towards Christ if you want forgiveness. I'm going to say it again. There's two parts here. You have to repent. You have to turn away from your life. You don't get to make this what you want it. See, that's the problem. That's how it becomes noise. When you make this what you want it to be, each one of you in this room, when you delete things and add things because you can in America, you can make a religion that's comfortable for you and then tell everybody on the street that that's what it is. The scary thing is, Right? I can put a rock on my back and jump out of a plane and say it's a parachute, but I'm going to find out really quick it's not. You can't redefine the truth. And that's the issue. But he says this, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them. Urged them. You need to do this. And so those who accept his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added. And then immediately after, what did they do? This is how they lived. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the truth, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, eating together, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. They sold their possessions. They shared things. Every day they met. Now I'm going to tell you what we do here, right? Oh, my gosh. I get a note in our offering box two weeks ago. I may offend someone. I hope I don't but I think it's, you need to wake up. Please stay on time. That's on the sign. That's serious. Somebody took the time to write a note, drop it in the box. Please stay on time that showed on sign. If there has never been a moment in my life in which American Christianity is so perfectly encapsulated, it's one that says, please stay within my hour and a half block that I have put in my calendar. But hey, Jesus, have your way. Show me signs and wonders, Lord, as long as it's between 11 and 1230. I'm not saying that to me because you know what's sad is, is that that's the way they've been taught. Oh, I want miracles and I want signs and wonders. That's crazy. When did that happen? It only happened when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then they were filled with awe and signs and wonders. And then when they shared things and lived life together and didn't just keep it in this little box, which, by the way, some of you are like, I don't do that. Yes, you do. Don't let anything interfere with my schedule. Why does my religion feel dead? 
I'll go to church when my, when my husband wants me to, my wife wants me to. I'm kind of a Christian. I'm kind of not. I, I'm not against Jesus, so I must be with Jesus. And that seems okay because that's what America tells me. It's what I believe. What you believe is irrelevant. You should be seeking the truth. The church was meant to be alive, and I read that, and every Christian I know says, that would be beautiful. I want that. Until you're meeting every day. Until somebody, that phone rings, right? I don't want to pick this up today. I'll never forget this story, and I've told this a million times, and I'll tell it forever. We had a guy here, he was actually a ministry leader. Kind of chatting with him, it's a long story. He, he's stuck. Are you annoyed with that noise yet? Uh, <clears throat> he said to me, in the middle of a conversation, I had nothing to do with it, and he goes, what more do you want from me? I've told this story. I give my offering, I serve on the team, and then he said, you guys talk like, we, we, we studied in one of our life groups this section. We studied this section. I didn't make it up, right? We all agree that's in there. And he said, oh, you're like a cult. You wanting us to sell all our stuff and give it to you? I said, well, first of all, no, I didn't write this. And secondly, what if God wanted you to? See, here's my thing about, this is how I, I, I don't mean to offend people. I offend myself. But I kind of think that you should decide what you really believe here. If God exists, then he doesn't circle around your life. What if he did want you to do that? What if he did want me? Oh, I want to follow God. I want his blessings. The blessings come when you're in his will. What is his will when you're obeying and you're walking with him? That's what happens. When you're near God, amazing things happen. But you don't get to say, I'm going this way. Come where I want. Come here, boy. Sit. Fetch. Fetch my miracle. The church was meant to be alive when we look at this. Lives are meant to be changed. People are meant to be healed, restored, reconciled, and forgiven as they hear the good news of the gospel. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. The answer to every question we've ever had, the answer to every question you've had, and some of you, when I say that, get mad. And there's a voice that says, that's disgusting, and that's a lie because it doesn't match what I believe and what I want. And that is because, no, you are believing a lie, but it's not this. He's the answer to every question, and he offers hope, love, and life to everyone that would believe. The church is meant to love and support each other, to witness to the ends of the earth, to be the body of Christ, and instead, we've just become noise, static. Remnant, that's you. It's not them. You do it too. Nice, I like that. That got really annoying. That was perfect until I ruined it by acknowledging it. <clears throat> it's just static. I have a quote. It's not going to be on the screen. Listen to this. This is a report I read this actually this weekend. A report released last week by the U.S.-based non-governmental organization China Aid warned that the Chinese government is using charges of fraud to financially suffocate the house church movement. The report noted that multiple house church and pastors and elders have been jailed and potentially face years in prison because they want them to worship the state. You know what's really funny? Did you know that China has an official Protestant church? All you got to do is sign up and agree to what they tell you, what you can say and can't say. The house churches are the ones that aren't doing that. You think Chinese Christians have much time for static? 
Do you think they have the liberty to argue about how many times to dunk someone or whether this person or that person is qualified? Whether they want to go to church this morning? If the Chinese church acted like you and me, there would be no Chinese church. Everybody, I love it when you guys nod. I'm talking to the remnant. I love it when you say amen. Snooze, Sunday morning. How dare he? I came this morning to get my cup of happiness. You think it's not coming? There's another warning I read that the guy put out a book of martyrs again. This is a Christian leader. It doesn't matter who. And from an organization, he said, do you not understand the persecution that's coming? Are you ready? You see, what's going to happen when the persecution really comes from the world is that we'll find out very quickly who's with Jesus and who isn't. Because if you don't think, if you're a person that makes concessions now, I do what I want to do to make me feel comfortable, just imagine, click, do you believe or do you not believe? They'll justify. Well, if I, if I say I do, I'll be able to secretly represent Jesus. I think the Chinese Christians, the Chinese church has time for static, for noise. And even now as I talk about this, some of you in the room and some people on the internet are going to give me backlash. Right? How dare him? He's trying to say doctrine doesn't matter. That's how I envision them. They look like walruses in my head. It's all ludicrous. It's noise. And me too, I'm a part of it. How much of my life in the church, how much of your life do you sit and think about noise? Do you focus on noise? Tribes. We just focus on making and controlling our little make-believe tribes and hating and destroying the other tribes. After all, my tribe is the only real tribe. Because I believe in pouring water on their head, not putting them in it. Or I believe in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I can't just dunk them once. That's only a partial baptism. And their numbers were being added to daily. This didn't happen because of static. Did you know that? Did you know that? It happened because of a focus of Jesus Christ, on Jesus Christ, and the hope, love, and message of the gospel. It's not shown in whether you say it. You have to say it. It's shown in whether or not you actually live it. The good news. Are we so focused on the noise that we're drowning out the good news? What if a church in Columbia City, Indiana, decided that they weren't going to be too concerned about everybody else doing it right. And they focused on whether they individually first and then collectively truly committed together. Even a hundred people, by the way, there's probably that in this room. A hundred people decided I will be committed to each other, right? Because Jesus said that. I will live this out on days I'm tired, on days I want to hit snooze. I will share, I will take care of each other. Even though everyone else will say it's bizarre and weird, I will do that. What will happen? Because if it happened to a small little group of people, 
surrounded by pagans and the religious who hate, both hated them. These uneducated 12 fishermen and outcasts and thieves and all of this. If these people can create something that you and I are now to this day, right, build on Jesus or talking about, what could happen in a country in which we can freely move if we just did that? What if we stopped church hopping? I'll say this again. I'm not supposed to. If you don't like it here, that's okay. Please don't burn the place on the way out. That's a nut, right? You don't have to run out and go, we're evil. That's what you sound like, a walrus. Don't be a walrus, right? Leave and go find yourself a church that you can be committed to. Commitment isn't once every three weeks, once every six months, and praise God that you're here. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, Todd loves seeing you. If you're here once, I'm not mad at you. I don't think about it. 90% of the time, you all got that big head where you're like, he's preaching to me. I see him looking at me. I told you this before. That isn't true. I tend to look at a few friendly faces. If I look at you, you're probably friendly or you're incredibly hateful looking. It's the two extremes. Okay? You're either the guy going, <laughs> like a walrus, or you're a very friendly person that I'm hiding from the walrus from. All right? What if we did that? I don't know, man. I, I want this. And probably every Christian does. And there are good believers out there that were, it's not that they don't want to. It's see, if you were raised, remember this part where it says, hey, your children and those far off. If all they've ever been taught is static and a little bit of Jesus, right? Because only needs a, you need Jesus to be saved but this is the best they've ever known, then that's what they're going to think this is. And it's hard enough when we're together. If we're apart, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. <clears throat> and I want, I want you to think of something. If you have your Bibles, turn <clears throat> to John chapter 17. Verses 13 through 26. You can cut it, guys. Remember that. Oh, what's it like when it's off? It becomes so, like when it's off, then you're like, man, that was annoying me, right? <laughs> That's what happens. So Jesus here, some of my favorite sections, people know, it's kind of known, it's a joke. Gospel of John, that's my go-to. I love it. I don't know why. I can't tell you. But I love this section because in these few chapters, Jesus is praying. And he has the, the disciples are there, and he prays for so many different things. And he prays for the apostles, right, the disciples that are with him. But did you know he prays for us? He prays for us, you right now. So you have this tendency to think that we're all just an ant farm, that he's looking down and goes, There's, you know, I like these ants in general. No, he knows you by name. And if you're one of his, he prayed for you here. I want you to listen to this, and honestly, beyond the prayer in the garden when he's praying to be able to do this, right, to be able to go through it, and, and if you consider a prayer when he says, forgive them for they know not what they've done, if you take those out, right, those moments, this is really his last, in my, my opinion, kind of calm prayer, right, when he has time, because right after this, they come for him, all right, and listen to what he says. Now, the first part between 13 and 19, he's sort of talking about, in your Bibles, it'll say he's, he's praying for the apostles or the disciples. And that's true, but listen, that doesn't mean it's only for them. And then the second part, a lot of times it'll break this section, it'll say he's praying for all disciples, all believers everywhere. It's all together. Listen to what he says. This is Jesus himself. Now I am coming to you, the Father. 
and, I'm, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. Man, that's powerful. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Do you believe that? That you're not of the world just like he isn't? Sanctify them. Make them holy. Set them apart. Sanctify them by what? The truth. The truth is what sets us apart. Not your emotional highs, not your emotional lows, not your money, not your title, not your denomination, the truth. Your, and what is truth? Your word is truth. As you, sent them into the, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them. Man, I've never thought this before. What an interesting he set himself apart for them. What was his special? Remember, sanctify means set apart for a special purpose. What was his purpose to be set apart for us for? To be glorified? To be made king? To overthrow the Roman government? No, he was set apart, set aside for what purpose? To die, that we may live. I sanctify myself for them so they also may be sanctified, set apart by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. That's you. You. Even if you're in the room like, Christianity's stupid. I'm just here because my cute boyfriend and girlfriend asked me. That's fine. There's still, this is an opportunity for you to hear this. Listen, there are no coincidences. You can hate me, but the truth is the truth. Listen, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in. That's why we got to do a doctrine class. Three in, one. There's no end. There's no separation. He just said, I want them to be so unified and together that it's like my relationship with you, Father. May they also be in us. May they, why? So that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. And the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. What? So that the world may know. How would they know? Because we are made completely one. Now I'm going to pause real quick. I'm going to put this in, in regular layman's terms in a way you understand. In Christianity, in, in America, right, you all go to work. Most of the time, and it's getting a little worse, right, everybody goes to church a few times a year, right? We all know it. That's why Easter, right? If you're in church business, you got to get ready for Easter, because you're going to have visitors, so you got to make everything look pretty. We clean once a year, right? No, I'm just kidding, right? Easter, Easter. So it, it, it's accepted. Everyone goes, right? So if I were to look at a group of people, Bob and Tom, if your name's Bob or Tom, I just picked those names. I'm not talking about you personally. I don't know what other names to pick, all right? Raul, I'm just kidding. Bob and Tom, 
right? Bob's a Christian, Tom's not. Hmm. They both go to church once a month, once every two months. They have a favorite verse on their computer. They listen to Joel Steen, right? They get their encouragement. They like Hillsong. Justin Bieber went there, right? They, they're all, what's the difference? What's the difference? The only way there's a difference is if, well, there shouldn't be Jesus, right? But that doesn't show anyone anything. If Bob's the true believer and he's like, Tom, you got to come to know Jesus because I don't think you do. And he's like, dude, I do the same thing you do. We're no different. What do you mean? I'm good. You're good and I'm good. There's no difference. See, some of you in the room, you want to be in the world. You want to be part world and part Jesus. That's not how it works. Well, it's fun. Yeah, it isn't fun because if it was fun all the time, why are you crying at night? Why are you opening that pill bottle every night? Why is that bottle getting tipped over every night? Why does that computer get turned on when no one's around? Why do you hide? We're made different. If you start to put it together, it makes sense. When a bunch of Christians together, what I tell you happens, right? We spend time there. There's a group, giant group of them. I didn't go. I haven't gone one time in a year and a half. But you all play volleyball. Isn't that wild? I didn't go anymore because, you know, some of you all <clears throat> don't like to lose. Anyway, uh, they play volleyball, right? And there's a ton of people there. And we've had this happen, right? And people are like, look at that cult. They're out there playing volleyball together. But... Is in Warsaw, I haven't been there in a while. Is Spikes still around? Is that what it's called? You know what Spikes is? Anyone raise your hand if you know what Spikes is? It's a little little bar. You know what they do there? Anyone have a... They they play volleyball. You know what's funny? I've never heard my friends say, hey, you guys want to go over to the call over there at Spikes? Have a couple beers, play some volleyball? However, isn't it funny that the world looks at you when you spend time together and they say something's wrong with you because they don't want you to. Because when you're together, you're the body of Christ. And when you're the body of Christ, things change. They don't like that. So, yes, they can play volleyball, but you can't. Not together. Come on over to Spikes. We'll do the same thing. Even though I just spent 60 hours with my work buddies, let's go hang out all weekend. That's not weird. They don't want you together. Why? The Bible says something really crazy. It says, you are either what? You are a son of God or you're the son of what? Right? Jesus said that to the Pharisees. You're a liar just like your father was a liar from the beginning. Do you think they have to know that's who they're working for? No. People aren't logical. Most of the time, if I took those people that are calling you a cult because you're playing volleyball together, the ones that are over at Spikes drinking, or more, more likely, they've come down to play volleyball and they're mad that you're on the volleyball court. We all know that happens, right? Why don't you guys have the courts? You can play with us. I don't like that. Anyway, they're way better than us, but because they go to Spikes every weekend. Uh, right? The reality is, I completely lost my train of thought talking about Spikes. They don't, they, if I took them and pulled them apart and said to them, listen, This is weird. You're calling these people. They would probably go, yeah, I guess that is true. I don't know why I call them a cult. That's because they don't know. They can't tell the difference in that voice that's saying, that's weird. Because weird means set apart. And set apart means people are going to start asking questions. Why are they different? And I'm with you. Do you know I'm scared to sell out? 
You know, people say, Todd, you're so bold, and I'll sit here and think of all the ways I'm not. I'm not. The good news is only good if you know how bad the news is, right? How bad the situation is. Jesus prays for our unity, right? They may plead one that the world may know you have sent me <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> and have loved them as you have loved me. Go on. Father, I want those you have given to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Those verses, you know, particularly 21 23, may they be one, Father, as you, Father, in me and I in you. May they also be in us. The world, why? So that the world may believe you sent them. Why? Because you're set apart. There's something different. Look at the way they treat each other. The thing that blew my mind for so long is the idea when it hit me, right? Because I used to always quote this, I'm evangelistic, so I'd be like, hey, the world's going to know me by how well I love them. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another. The world will know you are mine, not even by how you love them, but how you love one another. Jesus himself prays for our unity that we would be so close that we are as close as the Father and the Son are. And we'll never be as close, right? But that's how close, that's the analogy he gives us. Where's the father and the son end? Right? Let that sink in. Why? Why does he want this unity? Why is it so important that we understand and recognize this, lack of a better word, tribal warfare? Because that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Our unity, listen to this. Our unity is the testimony to the world. It's shown in Acts, right? They were together. That's how even the Roman authorities, why, why were they intimidated? Why were the Jewish leaders mad? Why were they, how were they able to get them? Listen, these people, they're starting to gain some momentum. They're doing, and they're not even doing anything wrong, but they're together. What are they talking about, right? Our unity, and then Jesus says here, our unity is the testimony to the world. So how do we stay unified? What does it mean? It's funny because when you jump ahead and you look to the apostles and you can go through Acts, right? And when they see each other, whether they're from the same town or not, I, I, I'm struck by a couple things. Even in Acts and certainly in Paul's letters, he always says, I'm so thankful to God for you. I can't wait to see you again. I miss you. I love you. Tell my brothers and sisters, I said, hi. Hey, I'm really struggling right now. Would you guys be able to help me? They're in a different town. But they're excited about seeing each other versus, and I'm guilty, like, oh, man, i got to see Bob again, right? They're excited. Why? Because the focus isn't on what they are, the ways they are different, but in the one thing that they are the same. The only thing that matters, really. Now, I'm going to say this again so you hear it. Next week, yes, next week, 100%, there is a line. But Jesus is the line. And anything that takes him out or adds to him is a way that you're not in the tribe. But everything else is secondary when you do know him. Our, our unity says, so listen to this. I'm going to jump to Ephesians 
chapter 3. We're going to start chapter 3, verse towards the very end, verse 14 through 19. This is Paul. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. Paul's letters are always aimed at teaching the church in that town something that they're getting wrong or going off, okay? So this is Paul, and he says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. What happens when you kneel in Christianity? What are you probably doing? Praying, yeah. Fist fighting, no, praying. That'd be funny. Be slightly entertaining. Some sort of fighting that's only done on your knees. Anyway, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. The sad thing is that was a real thought. I wasn't being funny. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. (laughs) Man, you could just stop there. Every family, whether they know it or not, are made in the image of God. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted, firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm going to jump down to verse 1 of chapter 4. Okay? Therefore, I, remember he just said, be rooted in love, right? All these things. Remember, this is one letter. A lot of times we'll stop and we'll be like, hmm, let's, let's ponder. But if you put this together, it becomes even more interesting. And to know, so verse 19 says, to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, and so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That sounds good. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received With all humility and gentleness. Gentleness can also be called kindness, true kindness. There's a difference between being nice and kind. With patience, bearing with one another in love. I love that idea, bearing, carrying weight. I will do more than put up with you. I will bear with you. Making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Drop down to verse 11. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity. We have to build the body up to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Those are together. You want to know Jesus? It's not separated from unity. If you truly want to know the fullness of Christ, it can only come in unity in the body. Why? Because a pinky is just a pinky until it's attached to an arm, which is attached to a body. You get what I mean? If you want to know the head, which is what they call Christ, you got to be attached to the body. So this is so interesting, Right? I want to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Equally important. Wow. You ever thought of that before? Bailey, that ever crossed your mind? Bailey's like, yeah, it has. <laughs> he was thinking about, like, Pop-Tarts probably. Anyway, see, I can do that to him. He's in the internship program. I will not do that to you probably, new people. Um, it's only until I know your name. I'm just kidding. Then everybody's running right after. That's why some of you don't talk to me. That's smart. Then uh, 14. Wait, no, I got lost. In the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. You want to be a mature believer? Well, you got to have knowledge of God's Son, and you got to be what? Unified. 
in the faith. Well, I'm unified. I belong to the fellowship. What's your religion? I'm Todd Brethren. You know, I don't want to say an actual denomination and offend someone, so I made that up. There's the cult talk. I just helped it. Someone's going to snip that. Uh, then we will, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, you want to be, you want to know how full you are of Christ. Those all together. Are you unified? If you're not unified, you're not full, right? That has nothing to do with salvation. It just means your maturity is not where it should be. Well, Todd, everyone else does it. My, my Aunt Edna's been in church for, you know, 60 years, and she goes once a, once a month. Then when we no longer, this is so interesting because we take this verse out of context. Remember, keep it on, same context. Stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow every way into him who is the head. <clears throat> who is the head. From him, the whole body, knitted, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, provides the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each, each individual part. Mm. The whole body comes from what? Well, you were thinking about Pop-Tarts. See, this is what happens. Where's the whole body come from? Yeah, Christ, right? He comes from Christ. You want to be Christ, that Christ is the head of the body, so if you want to be attached to Christ, you got to be a part of the body. I don't like it any more than you do because some of y'all mean. But that's the truth. If you look at that, right? How are we not going to be little children tossed by waves and blown around? Well, we have to have knowledge of God's Son. We have to grow into maturity with a stature not measured by Aunt Edna but by Jesus. And we have to be unified. Take any of those out and guess what you are primed for? To be blown around. What happens when someone's indoctrinated? Real right, cults, right? What happens when someone's manipulated? What do you have to do first? You have to remove them from what? Their family, from their source of uh, identity, because the only way to give them that is to remove them from that so they forget who they really are, and then you can tell them who they are. It's the same thing for the church. If we're apart, it becomes very easy for us to go, hmm, that sounds pretty good when the talking head pastor on TV tells you one thing that feels off, but you don't really know why. So you see this again. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, right? Over and over. And I could have, I mean, I could give 50 verses about unity. And we gloss over it. I do, because I'm always getting to the part that, that affects me. I want to get to the part where I'm either, I struggle with, right? Or I want to feel good. So I'm like, yeah, unity, I get it, I get it, I get it. But that's not really about me. Well, Todd, I go to church, but I don't serve each other, then you're using. Is that the same? Is that sharing with each other a need? Well, I'm busy, or I'm anxious, or I'm nervous, or I'm an introvert, right? Or I'm an extrovert. All these things the world tells you as an excuse of why you can't be unified. 
And if they tell you to do that, they're not respecting you and loving you because Jesus wants you to be you. No, he doesn't. Jesus wants you to be him. He wants to be the you that you would be without all the junk, who you were really meant to be. So, you know, when you think of the Christian church as a whole, the noise, all right, and, and this is outside. I want you to think about it. Think about your friends. Think about yourself. If you really slow down, some of you are such amazing people, most of you. You're saints, and I believe that. And most of the time we put up with it because we do love each other and we love Jesus. But when you really sit and think, what has you become used to? Does this sound like normal? Like, do you really think of this when you think of the church as a whole, right? Humility and gentleness, kindness, patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do we really do that? Now, certainly we make every effort to look like we have peace, but do we really do that? When you think of the church, do you feel excited in the morning or do you go, I'm going to have to go put that mask on again? Remnant people, you think it's just them? I ain't preaching to a bunch of people out in the street. I'm talking to you. Is that what you think? Do we view our maturity in Christ by how unified we are with each other? Do we? Do you? When you think of someone, do you think about how unified someone is as a sign of their maturity in the faith? By the way, unified doesn't mean you're just a teacher. I'm certainly unified when I'm allowed to be the one that teaches everyone. Some of you all have that problem. See, you're very selfish and you wrap it in, well, I'm unified because I always give my, I just get offered the holiness that I am to the body when I feel like it. And when not... I don't really need anything from them. <laughs> I only hear from Jesus. That's not what it says. It says your maturity in the faith comes from your unity, right? That partially it comes from the way each of us learn that your gifts are given to you first and foremost to build the church up. And when the church is built up, we are most effective for the kingdom. I've always wondered, again, I say this in a family, why play the church game? I'll never forget this. We did, a, uh, we did a survey in our church one time, just among members, and we asked them all these questions. And a lot of it was cool, right? Like, hey, we have a lot of people that heard the gospel the first time here. I love this church. We got a lot of you cool, hip, millennial Gen Zers that a lot of churches don't have. They, did you know that? You guys are special because you're not in churches today, and here you are. Like, you're special, special. You're, gonna, you're the people that are going to lead this revival for real right? <clears throat> but what's interesting is I had, these are members. Members means they've committed to the church. In order to be a member here, they've got, you know, Todd, why do you do membership classes? Well, we got to know if you're a believer. When you think of membership this way, it becomes much more interesting. Remember, in Paul's day, when you're a part of the church, essentially that church is saying that person is also one of Jesus's, right? If I don't know you, I don't know what you believe, and all of a sudden the remnant's standing behind you, not your sin saying this person represents Jesus. We as a group we 99 other people say, we 100%, we put our name on it. That person's a believer. How do we know that? How do we know that unless we know what you believe, right? Do you believe in the gospel? Who are you? How do we, you know that? That's what it is. And membership today is just a way for Americans to be the way we were supposed to be. Because otherwise, you know what you do if you don't have a commitment? That's why every time I love doing our membership classes, everybody's all about it until you have to sign something at the bottom saying, I promise. Isn't it funny? That still means something. Well, I ain't going to sign anything. 
God takes that serious. I'm like, yeah. Honestly, I shouldn't have to make you sign something. You should just do it. But we have to because that's what we're used to in America, right? Give me the contract. I want to see the small print. You, if you knew how much we've had to change in our membership packet over the years to cover every little small print you find, now i got a thing in initials that says you ain't read it. That way when you come and go, I didn't know that we were supposed to worship. You initialed that you said you did, right? Anyway, that's way off topic. But, <laughs> but it is, it, I don't know what I was saying. But I'm going to come back to this. <clears throat> you know, we are shown by our unity with each other. That's, that's real. But that's, that's going to show people how mature we are in the faith, how connected we are to the body. Not just when you want to be, because that's not different. That's not set apart. America's completely cool with you going to church when you feel like it, because that's what they do. That's why we clean a building once a year, right? They're not cool with a group of people who do things when they don't want them to or when they don't feel like it. Well, what do you mean you're skipping you know, and I'm not telling you're guilty and you do this, but I've had this happen. There have been people that go, yes, I'm going to come to Easter dinner, mom and dad, but unbelieving family, but I'm going to church first. Not because Todd told, I don't tell you, right? I don't know where you're at. That's a secret. Like, I'm not mad at you. That's up to you. But I'm going to tell you the truth, right? But let's say some of you have dealt with this. You're like, I'm going to come out of church, and they yell at you and shame you and tell you you're a weirdo, and, right? It's happened. They do that because they don't like to be reminded of the truth. And when you start acting set apart... Guess who they're reminded of? The person who sets you apart. You can't be half in and half out with Jesus. And I see this, and I just, man, if you just even read that section, you don't want to be blown around. So what's happened with our world in America? Why are we able to be blown around all the time? Well, we're going to talk about that, okay? And, and one of it is because we're not together. But how do we, I got a list for it, how do we silence the noise so that we can remember the truth, Right? And stay unified. Well, one, guess what? You silence the noise through what? I'm going to use Acts as our basis here and a little bit of Ephesians. Teaching. People don't like that. Some have been given to teach, right? That's the point. So you come together to be taught, right? To study the word of God. Well, I do it on my own. That's true, but you may not be gifted in that area, right? That doesn't mean you can't understand scripture. We're all high priests, but... It says it, right? They came together for the teaching. We study the apostles' teaching together. That's how we do it, right? <clears throat> Number two, <clears throat> through fellowship. It says that. And I put church because I'm going to make a difference here. What's fellowship? Fellowship is not just the volleyball. Fellowship is this. is the times when we come together and we set aside a time in our week. We've set aside a time in our week to spend time with the believers, with the body, with the saints. It is a dedicated time with the saints. We know that. That's important. That's fellowship. That's the difference between fellowship and this next part that's also important, community. That's the part where we play volleyball, right? That's going house to house, breaking bread. That's living life together. That's sharing in needs. Hey, there's a rap song, right? Andy Minio's like, you're, no big deals, right? If my buddy asks for a 10 or he's going to get a 20, right? That's a, you, you people are like, Todd, don't talk rap to me. Point is, if you ask me for a 10, why wouldn't I give you 20 if I got it? I love you. I'm not going to be like, well, you can have 9.899. 
right? Fellowship, living life, community. These are ways we silence the static because the static is just the noise. We have to remember what it is to be set apart, to be Jesus. Focus on the remnant, right? Meaning each other, your church, if not the remnant, Bobby's church on the corner, whatever. Focus on your church body. That's why a few weeks ago we talked about church discipline. We've got to trust the Holy Spirit is in that church, and they are guiding them to handle that church discipline. It is not our job to call them out for the way they're handling sin within their church. God will handle that. we got enough of our own issues to deal with, don't we? Community, church, living life together. Number four, prayer. You, we have to pray to be unified. We have to pray to have the heart of the Father. We have to pray to be like Jesus. We have to pray. Guys, I had to pray back there. Right? I had to pray because I walked in and knew, man, my heart is not in the right place. And I had Juju pray for me. She didn't even know why. She could tell she was shocked because I came up and said, will you pray for me? Because I knew I needed that. I needed the Father. And I needed to humble myself to go to someone I trust to pray for me. And guess what? As soon as she did, I felt better. That's real. Pray. How often do you pray? Not like, I've set aside, Lord. Thank you for this food. That's great. Prayer is just a conversation. Lord, I need you. When I'm back there, I'm God, God, I don't feel, I need you. Because I don't feel today. Like I pray up here, I don't even know you're here anymore. When I'm saying, God, I need you or I'm in trouble, that's my heart. When you're struggling to want to get connected to a church, you've got real wounds and mistrust. Guys, I don't trust. Some of you think, some of you are so arrogant. This part makes me mad, okay? You think you're the only one to go through trauma? That's a big word. You think you're the only one? You think I don't, that I trust you, any single one of you in my heart? That since the age of I could remember, I've been taught that you, I got to take care of me? You're not the only one. I wrestle with it every day. You are not the only one that's been hurt. And that's the lie the enemy tells you. And instead, maybe you and I can sit and pray together and talk about the miracle of what God brought us through. I'm so tired of it, man. You want me to sit up and tell you what happened to me? Will that make you feel better? Some of you let the enemy get in your head and mess with you to pull you apart. Because if he can even do it through your hurt and through your mistrust, he can... Pull you away, and then what? Oh, that's easy. I'm, I'm about to get me some food now, right? Devour. In my flesh, I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't. Probably not a single one of you. And maybe I shouldn't say that but in my flesh, but guess what? I'm not my flesh. I'm the spirit that's in me. I'm the new man, and I, I choose to live out of that. And when I don't, Lord, I'm sorry, and I go back to living out of that. Don't let him trick you. Don't let your wound become your identity. <clears throat> Pray. Number five, and this is so important. This right here is going to help us even next week. You want to stay unified, you got to know the Bible. Read the Word. Some of you all in here are like, well, you know, I don't read well. Okay, you have lived in the greatest time in history. I can Google right now, read to me 1 Timothy, and some guy, English guy, it sounds awesome, is going to read 1 Timothy to me. I've found videos where the, as they read it to me, they're drawing cartoons, right? Because sometimes we're just, they know, we just, we're used to cartoons, man. Now I get it, right? There's a smurf and an evil, anyway, they, whatever it takes for us to understand, that's real. That's real. And I will say this, if you still don't understand, 
Meaning you understand the words but don't get it. And this has nothing to do with the sermon. You have to have the spirit to understand God's word. And you should let that be a clue. And I don't care how long you've been in church. If you don't get any of it, right, any of it, there's something wrong. You have to know the word of God. See, if you know the word of God, then it doesn't matter what all these, the noise is. Because we can see through the noise, the static gets quieted down, and now we know the truth again. The truth comes from being in the body and from knowing the truth, right? To be reminded of these things. You know, I have to get to the point. I tell people all the time, how long should I read? I don't care. Read. If you go into every time you read the Bible, stop waiting till you feel like it. I don't feel like reading the Bible. I'm being honest with you. I don't always feel like reading it. I do it out of obedience because I know it's good, just like I don't always feel like eating. Okay, maybe that's not true. But, <clears throat> right, I don't feel like exercising. I do it. Why'd you all laugh so hard at that? Uh, <clears throat> um. But I do it, right, because it's good for me. It's the same as Scripture. I will tell you the truth. When I read the Bible, and this is something I can say. I was talking about my bad qualities. Here's something I do that you can emulate, and I think you should. Every time I read, before I open those, those pages, or when I, I pray, God, help me to understand. Help me to know what you want me to get out of this today. And guess what happens? God's Word is living. It's alive. And it will show you and teach you. There is a supernatural element to our faith. What do you mean, Todd? You already said you believe a dead man rose from the dead, right? And he is alive. You already believe. The Holy Spirit's in you. Help it. Ask him to help you understand every time. And he will. What do you have to lose? That's it right there. We can silence the static, and I truly believe this, if we just did that. If we just did those things. And yeah, you know what? Three of those four can only come together. It only happen when we're together. It's important. And that's why you see the enemy, man, I'm telling you, he's had thousands of years, right? He knows one of the worst things that's happened to the church, and now it's been good in some ways, it's reached people, but for the, for the church, what it's the, the statistics is the pandemic. Because now it's made it acceptable and normal to not gather together. Because, hey, if I call you to come to church, don't you care about you know slowing the spread? You know what's crazy? I don't even think that's that bold, but apparently that what I just said, I can be like, Oof. Yeah, I didn't, it doesn't even sound that to me because it's simple, right? That's the truth. Sometimes I wonder, man, I'm all about love, but what do we do? What do we justify? Jesus is like, listen, we're not going to the leper because we might spread some leprosy. And now everyone's used to it. We just sit at home and I just click through and find the guy that makes me feel good today. I'm never going to listen to the sermon that makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to go to the one that makes me feel what I want to feel that day. Click, click. It's just like TV. Unified. There's no perfect church. You know why? Because there's no perfect Christian. And that's the beauty and that's the testimony. How do you put up, Kelsey, with that Todd guy? What in the world? Right? How do you put up with that guy? He's annoying and he's loud and, you know, whatever, all these other things. Right? How do you do it? That's my brother, right? How do I, that's, my, how, that's my sister. I know him. I know her because if we spend time together, you at least know something about me, right? And that points to Jesus. Well, he's this, this, and this. I know. But you also didn't see this, this, and this in him. You don't see this, that I see Jesus in this way or I see Jesus in her in this way that that is life. Yeah, I know, I know. See, that's the beauty. We hide thinking that 
You know, if we show ourselves to everyone that they're going to tear us apart, and that's true because we've allowed wolves to run the church, right? But they don't look like, see, we've let them dictate who are wolves. You think wolves are going to actually shoot other wolves? No, man, they're going to, they're going to shoot loud sheep. They're going to shoot the people that are challenging their creepy rule. It comes from our differences that make us united. It comes from the glory of us working things out together. There's not a person in here that probably hasn't been mad at me, and I haven't been mad at it at one point, and we work it out. All right, even me and Greg, right? He shook his head. If you know me and Greg, I love him. I know he loves me. We battled in a men's group one time. People thought we were going to come to fisticuffs, didn't they, Greg? They literally did, and you're probably like, Greg would never do that. Hey, he is a, you know, his nickname's Papa Bear, right? <laughs> Everybody always thinks of the cuddly, like, you know, he's a teddy. No, man, that's a big Kodiak, right? He's a, <laughs> but guess what? He still loves me and I love him because that's the beauty of the testimony. We may sometimes not even agree on everything, but I know his heart and he knows mine, which only has come through years of being unified and of that. Because at the end of the day, I know he loves Jesus and I believe if you ask him, he knows I do. And that's enough, right? That's enough. She's going to come play some music. I know I went long again. Leave a nicer note. Put a heart or something. I would rather you, if you ever think that, come and talk to me about that. Don't be a snot. Don't come up and cuss at me tell me I'm dumb. But if you want to come and go, I think you should stay. We'll talk about it. I'll talk to you. I'll make a joke about it. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you. All right? And by the way, a lot of churches... I'm going to tell you now, I think I do a pretty decent job compared to some churches and people I know. She came from a church, that'll go six hours and call it a, that was short, right? That's a fact. <clears throat> Listen, there's something really powerful in Ephesians I didn't talk about. I'm going to bring it up now. Because <clears throat> sometimes I get off track. I know it's crazy, isn't it? And he says something really incredible. <clears throat> and I got to find it. Because he says that you may walk worthy of the calling that you have received. That you would walk worthy of the calling that you've received. That's really powerful, right? That was the one I missed on my list, right? Walk worthy of the calling you've received. What does that mean? How do you walk worthy? To walk worthy means you walk like who? Jesus. There's a beautiful thing where he's looking at you and saying, stop living like you're just... C.S. Lewis says it. There are no mere mortals. There aren't people that look around. You're not just people. Do you know that? If you're in Jesus, you are saints. Do you walk worthy of that? Do you live your life worthy of the calling you've received? Not worthy of what the world says is good. Not worthy of what your Aunt Edna says is good. Do you walk worthy of the calling you've received? Do you seek unity? Do you show love? Do you give forgiveness? Do you bear with people? Do you show patience? Do you commit yourself, if it's not here, to another body of Christ for a purpose? Well, I don't go to any other church. Yeah, but you don't commit. See, church isn't just Sunday. Remember, I just showed you that. The only way Greg and I made it through that time is because he knew me. We have lived life together for years now, right? Church splits and all this stuff happens because we don't know each other. We forget. Are they really? Are we really together? Do you walk worthy 
Does the church in America walk worthy of the calling we have received? Now, don't get me wrong. There's beautiful things that happen in this world, man. Beautiful, beautiful things. And a lot of times they happen at churches you'll never hear of. Do you walk worthy? Because worthiness in the kingdom is not measured by your popularity. Worthiness in the kingdom is not measured by how many people say you're cool or how many people think you got it right. Worthiness right, is measured by the stature of Christ, by the fullness. Do you walk worthy? I like that because it's an action. You have to choose it. You know what else is crazy about that saying is that there appears to be, because remember he's talking to Christians, that there's another choice that you can choose to not walk worthy of the calling you've received. And if you don't walk worthy of the calling you received, you won't be unified and you won't be patient and you won't be a testimony to this world. You cannot be a city on a hill by yourself. Is that you? Have you let the static become so loud that you forgot the truth? That's why Christianity sucks. I agree. I shouldn't say that, but a lot of times I'm like, this sucks. And it does suck without Jesus. And it's hard, even with him, because I got rough spots and you got rough spots, and that's the testimony. How do these people with rough spots stay unified? How is that possible? Why do they still love each other? I want what they have. One of the most powerful things in here, and he I'm not going to say his name. He's about to make me cry. He knows who he is. He said that to me. He said, my relative, right, I'm not going to say because then you'll know, I want what she had. I wanted what she had. I wanted that community. I wanted it. Something was different. It didn't even come, right? That was, you know, was secondary. Secondary was the teaching. But the testimony came from the community. And that made him open his ears to going, man, maybe there's something to this. And now this guy comes before me last week and I asked him about something. He goes, yeah, man, it was pretty good, but I just I like hearing about Jesus. <laughs> That's a miracle. The testimony comes from the community together. Right? The full testimony. Is that you? Have you been so hurt? Have you let trauma become your identity? You hop from place to place. I don't want to get people too comfortable with me because then they're going to know me. And if they know me, they'll hate me. You're right. A lot of churches do. A lot of churches are hateful and they, they, they've let the static get too loud. There's even saved people that have a bad culture in their church. And they're still saved. God's going to save them, right? But they're not living by walking worthy of the calling they've received. You want to change culture, it's not by being apart from it. I'll never forget the Holy Spirit telling me that as I raged on my way to see my buddy at Valpo, but I hate Christianity and I hate the church and I, blah, blah, I hate the church, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, That's, that little spirit, that little voice, right? You know it. Real calm. How can you change what you claim you're not a part of? And you are a part of it whether you like it or not. And that's why it bothers you. If we want to change it, we got to live and walk worthy of the calling we received. We have to walk, which takes effort, which takes you're going to have to do something different. Sometimes I don't want to walk on that treadmill, right? But I know it's good for me. Sometimes I don't want to come here and preach to you. So that's why I need prayer sometimes, because I'll get caught up in the noise. 
Stop living your life seeking feelings, man. They're just so transient, right? If you want to feel good, there's a lot of things out there that make you feel good, but it never lasts. Church, my church, my home, we have got to be focused on being unified together. Stop being ashamed of your community. Let them call you weirdos when they're at the when, when you're playing volleyball, let them, because isn't it funny that they all of a sudden come and want to play with us then eventually? How's that happen? Man, we didn't drive them off when we called them a cult. Well, can we play? <laughs> you guys are cool. How many times have we heard that? How many cops have driven by going, what, what are you guys doing out here? Oh, we're a church. Oh, cool. And then they come by more and more often. You think that's a coincidence? You think they don't got it? You think they really think there's crime going on there? No, man. They don't even know what they want, but they want it. This is real stuff that's happened, by the way, down at the old volleyball court. Probably helped that I stopped beating you guys so you could be in good mood. <clears throat> you know, this is the last week that I want to talk about unity before we have to talk about the things that, that, you know, the people who aren't part of our tribe. Let's pray for our, for our church first. And then once we do that, then let's pray for this city. And let's pray for the county and the state. And let's pray for this nation. Pray for the church with a capital C in this nation. Because even those crappy, noisy, static-filled churches, there's some of them that are still part of us. Right? Pray that the noise gets quieted, that they remember who they are and who we are, and that through that real revival that lasts longer than a news period, that lasts longer than what's popular, real revival sweeps this nation. Because it can and don't forget to pray for our brothers and sisters in China and other countries that they would stand firm in the truth as they don't even realize that they're, they've become our role model. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, I usually give this big, long thing so I make sure I theologically cover all my bases. Here's the reality. You and I both know something's wrong. We messed up. We're separated. What's wrong is you and I have decided to disobey God and do our own thing. And because of that, we got a disease we can't cure. We're separated from God. Hell is real. And without your bad deeds, your sin being paid for, you're going to hell. That's the bad news. And even before you go to hell, you're going to live your life chasing thing after thing to try to feel a little bit better. And it never works. You know it and I know it. You are made for so much more than what you've been living. You are made in the image of God. He loves you. And even today, he is calling out to you, come home. How do you come home? You have to repent. Remember what I read earlier. Turn away from what you've done. Stop asking God to prove to you that he exists when he's already done that today by bringing you here in this moment to hear these words. That's the miracle. You're not an accident. This isn't a coincidence. You were to be here today to hear this because once again, he's given you another chance, one more chance, maybe the only one you'll ever have, I don't know, to hear and respond to the truth come home. How do you come home? Well, unfortunately for you, you're guilty of a lot of things, and that has to be paid for. It has to be. You know it. We wouldn't let someone come in your house and steal your stuff and kill your relative and then just go home. Hey, they're a good person. Something has to happen. You will pay that price when you die. It doesn't matter. Your belief won't matter when you stand before a holy God. 
Gravity doesn't need you to believe in it for you to hit the ground. And God doesn't need you to believe in him to judge you. He will judge you. And there you'll stand, guilty. Jesus Christ existed. So when you couldn't come to God, when you couldn't clean yourself up, God invaded this earth. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. He existed. Jesus of Nazareth existed. No one will even say it. Every major religion acknowledges he existed and even says he's something special. But they don't want you to know the truth. And the truth is what? That he is the one and only son of God. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the only way for you to be made right with your creator. So Jesus told us how to live, told us if we lived his, just live the way he told us to live, life would be much, much better. But here's the thing. He does more than that. When you couldn't come to him, he came to us. He taught us how to live. Then he died on the cross, a horrible death. It's a fact. And he thought of you in that moment. He died for your sins. That punishment I told you, that justice was poured on him. Three days after his death, he rose from the dead to prove he is who he said he was. And now he offers you today, in this moment, in this coincidence, he offers you something. He offers you a chance to be made right, to have real life. Guys, listen to me. I've said this many times. The Christian life is not an easy life, but it is the better and best life. It is the truth. And he offers you to fill that hole you've been wanting to fill, to heal those wounds you want healed. In order to do that, you have to turn away from your way of life and go to him and repent. Repent means saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. I believe you are who you said you are. Help me, save me. And if you do that, the Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. No one can take it from you. I don't care what the pastor on TV says. I don't care what the pastor on the street says. Well, Todd, I got this addiction and I got this, I got that. It doesn't matter. Today, will you turn to him away from that? Let him handle the rest. You have that opportunity. There's people up here willing to pray with you. Don't say you're going to do it when you go home. You're not. These people are here today. They're good people. I was in the same shoes as you. Go to them. Pray with them and know real peace and know that if something were to happen today, Lord forbid that you would live forever. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in today. Listen, don't. Because if you do, you're choosing to.